Hello, listeners. This is Corey, your big dumb movie creator, producer, host, etc. This episode is a very special movie debate where you can help decide the winner. My request for you, the listener, is to record a short audio bite explaining who you think won this debate based on the arguments that were made as opposed to your personal opinion on the debate topic. You can get as detailed as you want in the recording. I'll be putting together a post-debate episode where we'll play the clips of everyone who sent in a vote. There's a Google Drive link in the YouTube description and in the Big Dumb Movie Instagram bio where you can upload your audio file. This will only be available for about a week or two after the release of this episode, so please do it as soon as possible, and don't forget to include your name. Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. In the year 2019, ex-detective Rick Deckard is called out of retirement to track down and eliminate a team of humanoid androids that have escaped from an outer space mining colony and have taken refuge here on Earth. A 1982 film based on the novel by Philip K. Dick, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Harrison Ford, Blade Runner is considered by some to be a sci-fi cult classic, but it's considered by others to be overrated, perhaps? Not a great film, perhaps, or perhaps even boring. <sighs> Today we settle the great debate. Is Blade Runner boring? Yes or no? Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host and debates moderator, Corey. And I'm joined today with my two debaters. First up, the man that will be arguing that Blade Runner is not a boring film. You know him, you love him, Steve. Please, please, call me the emperor of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, the man that will be arguing that Blade Runner is a boring film, the creator of the podcast Spoilers and recurring big dumb movie guest, Pappy. Hey, how's it going? It looks like the Emperor has no clothes on when it comes to his take for Blade Runner. I'm so excited to undress him in front of all you people. I noticed you didn't use your nickname, the most mistaken man on Earth for this episode. <laughs> most interesting man on Earth, maybe. Most enlightened man on Earth, maybe. <laughs> but I think you may have just missed that last word. It's okay. You missed a lot, apparently, if you like uh, like this movie. Enlightened if you grew up in that pit with Bane. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to do ad homs. He's already coming after where I grew up, Corey. <laughs> so I was born in a pit. So what? I can go. have opinions on movies. It made him a stronger person. <laughs> I was born in it, Steve. <laughs> Guys, all right. I've been listening to some debates to prepare for this, and I have learned one thing. Podcast debates are chaos. I'm not exactly sure how this will go, so we'll see. Um, We'll start with the rules. I have a few rules, not that many, uh, for Steve and Pappy here. Rule number one, I do have an opinion on this topic, but for this debate, obviously I'm acting as the moderator, so I will not be inserting my opinion at any point. So please don't try to rope me into your side with agreeing or disagreeing. (laughs) Rule number two, if you pose a question to the other person, you must allow them to answer. So no asking a question, and then when they start responding, you just cut them off. Let him answer. Rule number three. If one person goes too long without letting the next person speak, I'll give you a one-minute warning to wrap up. I don't think that'll be a problem, but just in case. Uh, Rule number four. 
No declaring yourself the winner. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only chance you had of winning. <laughs> what if I break that rule, though? <laughs> this isn't a hard rule, but I was listening to a podcast where someone kept saying, that's it, I won. And I was, like, really fucking annoyed by that. <laughs> All right. Uh, the winner or loser of this podcast is subjective. It's going to be decided by our, the Big Dumb Movie audience. At least that's the plan. So I want the listeners to tell us who they think won in the YouTube comments, preferably, or wherever they want to reach out to us. More on that later. Uh, the fifth and final rule. No jerking it during the pod. Oh. Steve, zip up. God damn it. <laughs> If you guys can abide all these rules, especially rule number five, I think we'll be in good shape. I'll do my best. Can I declare myself the victor like on social media afterwards and for years to come every time I interact with Steve? Or is that not allowed? Yes, I have either. no control of your life okay. outside of this podcast. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> the pretender to the throne. All right, we're going to start with opening statements. Pappy, you're up first. In your opening statement somewhere, I'd like you to provide... Some examples of movies that are not boring, just to kind of counteract what you're arguing here. So, Pappy, opening statement, you can go uh, as long as you need to. You're up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, my name is Pappy Malcolm. I'm from the Spoilers Podcast. I'm here today arguing the pro. Blade Runner is a boring movie. I'd like to thank our moderator, Corey, for having me on Big Dumb Movie and my opponent, Steve, for agreeing to this debate. Blade Runner is one of the greatest films of all time. It's a technological marvel with over 90 special effects shots, each of which hold up astonishingly well 30 years later. It's one of the most influential movies of all time. It single-handedly created the cyberpunk genre and asked us visionary questions about our humanity, which have only become more relevant since Philip K. Dick Pender's classic novel. On a personal note, I gave this film 4 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd, and I would say that I like this movie. However, my opponent and I do not disagree on these facts, nor am I here to argue Boyd Runner's value as a film. I am here today arguing something all of us who have seen Blade Runner intuitively know. It's a boring movie. It's an incredibly slow yet intricate story whose integrity has been compromised by Ridley Scott's meddling for years. The music and rain, rainy sound design are narcolepsy-inducing, and the production design, though beautiful and effective within the story, is drab and uninviting for general audiences. Ultimately, this debate will not be about the contents of Blade Runner, as these are indisputable facts. I should say indisputable facts so long as you can decipher which of the 10,000 cuts is the real cut. Like almost all arguments on the, on the internet, this is fundamentally going to be an argument of definition, specifically the delta between my definition of a boring movie and my opponent's definition of a boring movie, and if Blade Runner falls within this criteria, and that will be for you, the audience, to decide if it does. For the purposes of this debate, I define a boring movie as a film that tries the patience of its audience, and arguably no classic film tests its audience's ability to stay awake quite like Blade Runner. And I offer three counterpoints as not boring movies, which ultimately deal or, all, or also deal with um, high-concept sci-fi themes, The Matrix, Mad Max Fury Road, and a populist favorite, the original Star Wars. That's my opening statement. Thank you very much, Pappy. Steve, you're up next. You can provide uh, your opening statement now and somewhere in there, some movies that you think are boring. <clears throat> I find Pappy's introduction to this debate to be contrived, almost hypocritical and difficult to keep track of because he starts off by talking about all of the things that make this film so engaging and so rich 
all of the things that work to draw you into the film's world. The dreary aesthetic may be dreary, but yet it is so rich, so detailed, and so compelling in and of itself that the environment and the aesthetic alone can keep a viewer engaged throughout the entire chorus of the film. There is no part of this world that's boring or lacking in beauty, and yet all of it exists with this layer of grime, this year's worth of use, a construction of human beings that care entirely about convenience and function while simultaneously putting together a, an aesthetic jumble that somehow screams both beauty and ugliness at the same time. Pappy makes it sound as if there's an objective argument to be made for this film being boring, as if it is objectively, empirically boring, as if it's something people would unilaterally agree upon in the same manner that they agree 2 plus 2 equals 4. And yet he then goes on during the course of his opening statement to admit that one's acceptance of this premise is dependent on their own definition of what qualifies as boring. This admission in and of itself should tell you that there is no empirical case. There is no fact-based or objective case that this film is boring. There is only the opinion of a handful of outlying people who don't seem to be able to acknowledge that just because a movie doesn't offer you an explosion every 30 seconds, just because it forces you to take the road the characters are taking, does not necessarily mean that it's boring. There is something to be said for being drawn into the hearts and minds of the characters who you're watching on film. Otherwise, all you've got is a, a voyeuristic experience of watching people do things without really caring about what or why. It reminds me of some of the films I find most boring, such as those of Michael Bay. It seems to me that that's the type of science fiction Corey, or excuse me, Pappy would rather see on film. This is a movie that has made the American Film Institute's list of 100 greatest films ever made. It's a film that, that just recently was reestablished on the AFI's film of best science fiction films ever made, where it ranked sixth. This is a subject I'll touch more upon as the debate goes on, but this is one of the most inspirational science fiction films ever made in, in the sense of what it touched off. And, and what it inspired in other creative types. It's inspired everything from clothing to furniture to comic books, sci-fi films, both live action and animated. It's the product of a spin-off cartoon series that, that's not even on the air yet. It's still coming to us. To, to make the case that this movie is a technological marvel, that it's beautiful in its set and costume design, that it is an inspiration to other creators, but then also within that, try to make the contention that it's boring. It just doesn't hold up to scrutiny. So your movies that are boring are Michael Bay films. Any specific ones, just for the record? Uh, well, I, I could say pretty much anything made by him. They're a bore fest. The, the, it's, it's usually two to two and a half hours of, uh, of no character development whatsoever, just one scene driving to the next explosion. I'd add M. Night Shyamalan's films to this list of, of movies that are boring. Aside from The Sixth Sense, I'm not sure that man's ever made a movie that's worth watching. 
they're all boring. They're all tedious. You find yourself sitting there waiting for the, the twist ending to get there. And then most of the time it ends up being something like the, the wind or a fart or the sunlight. It's never anything worth waiting for. You know, uh, uh, August Rush has one of the unique examples of being both an awfully acted and awfully scripted movie and yet also being so boring. It's It's borderline unwatchable. Thank you for indulging. I am now going to open the floor to open discussion. I would like our audience to keep note of every time Steve conflates a positive below the line aspect of the movie with that equals not boring. That's a total conflation. And as I conceded in my opening statement, I'm not here to argue that the production design isn't great or the music isn't great or that the costuming isn't great. But those things do not necessarily... Uh, abstain it from being a boring film what we have to look at is the way that the story unfolds which may be you know inherent in the noir genre i do admittedly find most noirs boring i'm not a fan of michael bay's films um and a counterpoint as well i've never advocated michael bay as a type of sci-fi that we should be seeing the specific examples that i listed the matrix mad max fury road and the original star wars all are able to transport audiences in the sci-fi way but also do it through compelling storytelling and in the case of mad max fury road it discusses themes of you know potential dystopian futures to extent that in the matrix as well but the matrix also deals with questions of consciousness and questions of humanity but does it in a way that also is more engaging with the audience the audience is more engaged in the character neo than we ever are with deckard deckard's an impenetrable boring character and harrison ford isn't a good actor in this movie he's got a very stoic disposition and steve i'd like to ask you i guess directly can you offer a definition of a boring movie because i i I hear again this debate's going to be you conflating good things about blade runner ergo it's not boring which is not at all the argument that i'm positing well i first of all i don't think i'm conflating anything i think it's extremely difficult to make the case that a movie that is so engaging visually in and of itself could ever be as boring as you're making it out to be Uh, secondly i'm going to disagree with the contention that deckard's character is impenetrable to the point of being interesting in any manner his own journey in regards to questioning what makes a human human and whether or not his job is a job that should even exist or core to the story itself. And and we're taking that journey with him. I found myself identifying at every single step with his journey and understanding exactly where he was with it. That kind of character development, again, does not lead me to a conclusion that this film is boring. I find every every scene in that film to be engaging. But what, what qualifies as a boring movie? A boring movie is a movie that fails to engage you in any meaningful way whatsoever a movie that isn't even bad enough to be enjoyable for being bad a movie that offers nothing of any quality to lock you in and keep you watching Uh, i would argue uh just about any jim carrey movie is a boring film They're, they're mildly amusing but there's nothing to keep you interested in this film it's the exact opposite they've built one of the most fascinating intriguing worlds that's ever been built on film, and they navigate you through it with someone who is having an immense amount of difficulty coming to terms with the nature of that world and that their position in it. That's character development. That's not boring. That's being unwilling to engage with the character. And it sounds an awful lot based on your comment that your issue is that you simply don't appreciate noir at all. And among the many things this film is, 
it's a testament to noir. It's a testament to the lasting power of noir. And that's one of the elements that people have most picked out about this film. It's so nostalgic while also being such a look at the future. There's nothing boring about this. There's simply a failure of some audience members to engage. And and frankly, given the dearth of opinion to the opposite, I contend that's the viewer's personal issue and not a failing of the film. Okay, two things there. Uh, if we're going to keep having this appeal to authority, I, I, again, I've conceded that Blade Runner is lauded by critics. I guess it's, I don't know which cut they're watching, which is nothing else potentially we can get into as well. There's multiple cuts of this movie, which are inherently boring. Um, to the point that there's this dearth or overwhelming opinion that Blade Runner is a good movie, though. I mean, we're looking at a small percentage of elite film-going critics, the snobbiest of the snobbiest who you're appealing to. Really? Because it's got a 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the audience score. If we look at if we look at Letterboxd, two of the three top comments of all time call the movie boring. Within the last 24 hours, there have been two reviews that called it slow, one review that called it bland, two reviews that called it to put it to sleep, put the, put the viewer to sleep, the reviewer to sleep, and one that called it bored. These are the real people. These are common people. And to, to backtrack a little bit as well, I totally reject your definition of the word boring. That's the most absurd definition of boring. Then, then why does the term bad exist? You're conf- again, you're conflating good and, and not boring and bad and boring. Why else would we have the metric, the English word of boring? A film can be great, be lauded by critics, but also be a little bit boring. We, we know this intuitively when we go to show movies to the people that we love, right? There's a different kind of movie that you'll show your cinemile, cinephile best friend than you would show a first date. There's a different kind of movie that you would show your mom or at a family gathering than you would show um, at, at an art house theater at, at a midnight showing, and there'd be a different expectation and a different vibe. To say that a movie is bad, ergo it's boring. That's just inherently not true. The Room, one of the worst movies ever made, is not boring by any standard, but it's an objectively terrible movie. To say that boring equals not able to engage with a film in any way is just a bizarre, frankly, definition of the word and, and, and a total contortion of what we were here to talk about today. You couldn't possibly be more wrong, not least of which because you haven't accurately described what I'm saying. A bad film can be bad for any number of reasons, not just because it's boring. A bad film can be bad without being boring. Theodore Rex isn't boring. It's just awful. It's just that some films are bad, at least in but part, do you, because do you, they're boring. Do you engage with Theodore Rex on any level? No, not at all. But that's not you at said, all. But you literally said that was your definition of boring, where you cannot engage with the film on any front. You're saying you can't engage with Theodore Rex, but it's I, not boring. I, no, no, boring is question, a different stat. The question was, you asked me is whether or not I could engage with Theodore Rex, and I took the question to mean whether or not I can identify with him as a character, and the answer is absolutely not. That doesn't mean I find the movie boring. It's too spastic to be boring. I, 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 the, the boring... Boring happens when there is nothing about the film, not just the characters, but the story, the environment that you can identify with, and moreover, when there's nothing in the film to keep you engaged with it at all. Theodore Rex keeps you engaged, it just does it in a terrible way. It's There's nothing in it worth watching. It isn't boring, it's too short to be boring, it's just terrible. It, 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 moreover, I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to quote... Um, 
William Gibson, who is really the one credited with inventing cyberpunk, in saying that Blade Runner changed the way the world looks and how we look at the world. That is hugely, hugely inspirational. Guillermo del Toro said, Blade Runner is simply one of those cinematic drugs that when I first saw it, I never saw the world in the same way again. Clearly, clearly this is a film that does engage people. It does change their perception of the world. It does make them think about character. This is a film that, to your point about only elites liking it, has a 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. There couldn't be a more people-centric way of rating a film than that. You can isolate a few dozen bad reviews about any great film ever made. The fact that some small percentage of people found the film slow or boring isn't a metric that you can rest this case on. Moby Dick was so unpopular and got such mixed reviews during its pub original publication that at the time Herman Melville died, it wasn't even being published anymore. Now it's looked at as being one of the greatest novels in American literature. Johannes Vermeer, painter of the girl with the pearl earring, had to borrow money from his mother-in-law as insurance against other business ventures he was in because he was so broke. He left his family in debt when he died. Now he's considered one of the greatest artists of all time. The fact that there will always be detractors from any good thing isn't necessarily in and of itself a metric. There is no widely held belief that this film is boring. Something described this positively by pioneers in the genre cannot possibly be described as boring. The fact that some individual audience members failed to engage with it is their shortcoming. Their shortcoming. The, 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 the film offers everything you could want in a science fiction world. It, it's the mo one of the most engaging, most philosophically engaging films that's ever been made. Okay, first of all, you criticized my opening statement saying that I was saying the movie was objectively boring. You literally just said, if you don't like this movie, you're wrong, which is a bizarre statement to make. Second of all, when I was calling those, it was two of the top three most popular reviews on Letterboxd. It's not some random poll. I wasn't hunting for these. These are at the top of the page. It, it is a widely used but, site. But you ignored the other much more widely used metric. Okay, so are we... Are, Either we're going to do this appeal to authority thing where we're saying, it, 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 like, all these people think this or all these people think this, which we don't really know, or we can start looking at the film itself, the contents of the Pappy, film. you're playing the opposite side of that coin, buddy. Your argument you, you basically boils. You, you've been your, your doing argument both. basically comes down to this film is boring, and look, here's a small number of people off a website who agree with me. You're saying, like, there's, the, like, the, the 50 critics who vote on the AFI 100 have more more say than the 1,000 people who upvoted the comment, this movie is boring on Letterboxd. I don't well, know, like, what to like why did why is their voice more relevant than those but again it isn't more relevant way, than the 91% of positive audience reviews on rotten tomatoes or the countless other positive reviews you find of the film on any other social media site but i don't i don't even think like finding these like thousands of reviews either way i don't think either my point or your point argues whether or not the film is boring by said by like appealing to this authority of people on letterbox or people on film twitter or people on rotten tomatoes ultimately it's what's the what's in the contents of the film itself, and you're right to some extent that there is like this great visual imagery that is engaging. But the film revels in its visual imagery. Every scene shows up early and leaves late. Like I can only see the shot of the Tyrell Corporation so many times and be so impressed with it. It's nothing's happening. It's the exact opposite of like kinetic, exciting energy. And again. I think your definition of boring is utterly absurd because boring is a separate stat line. 
okay, boring is not a summation of all these individual components of a film. Does it work? There, there go. It's not boring. Boring, I think, in the almost all common parlance, ask anybody on the street what's a boring movie. They'll give you a very defini- different definition what's a bad movie. A boring movie is slow. A boring movie takes its time. Like the definition that I offered earlier, a boring movie tries the patience of its audience. There are so many times in Blade Runner where we're enhancing a photo or someone's looking at a screen to analyze a fish scale or we're going one place to get a little bit of information and we see him driving to another place to get a little bit of information. Again, the, it does come down to opinion if you are engaged by these things or not, but there's nothing happening. The story isn't advan- advancing and all of these things are what would fall under the umbrella of an exciting film. Every scene moves the story forward. It does to some extent in Blade Runner, I'll agree, but the way that we go about it is so glacial is so slow and it's all caked in this like i said drab dreary unrelatable music like i couldn't hum the theme to blade steve can you hum the theme to blade runner right now you mean the score that was nominated for an academy award okay again are we going to appeal to authority or not if you're gonna say like if i can't use the list of people on letterboxd you can't use the fucking oscars like that and to even to even go to even call the the oscars are such the the use of oscars is such a fucking like loaded box too i can pull out a million shitty movies that were nominated for oscars being nominated for an oscar means literally fucking nothing in terms of i'm not denying you the use of letterboxd what i find interesting is that you're promoting the use of letterboxd while simultaneously ignoring the Rotten Tomatoes score and the critical reviews and the award nominations that the Academy Award was but just But again, you have no several- argument outside of this appeal to authority. People say it's good. If you don't think it's good, it's wrong. I'm getting into the specifics I, I, of the film that no, make it boring, I, and you have no counterpoint to that. And no, I asked you a direct question. Can you hum the theme to Blade Runner? No, of course not. Nobody can. But if a hummable theme is the only thing you're looking for, it kind of narrows the view on what qualifies as a movie that isn't boring. I mean, how many movies outside of a, a 10 or 12 that you've liked over the years can you even remember the theme to, let alone hum it? No one remembers the theme tune for or, uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. They just bah, remember the six-second. That's not bah. the theme music. That's well, not the sh- theme it music. should That's be. A, that, uh, that, but there you go. But you don't even know what the actual theme to that film is. And I, I would bet you, you would not argue that that film is boring. Uh, my only point here is, I'm not appealing to authority exclusively. My, my point here is, these are opinions that are shared both widely by people who are considered experts on film and those who create film themselves, as well as a huge swath of regular people. The 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is an audience score. It's separated completely from the reviews of critics. So I can say right there, there's 91% of every normal non-expert person who participated in a review of the film on Rotten Tomatoes who said that they liked it and, and none of those reviews call the film boring. It sounds to me like your issue is simply with the function of the way a detective film works. The scene of, of, of Harrison Ford Deckard enhancing the photo is less than two minutes long. The scene of him having the scale looked at is about 90 seconds long. And it's a part of a wider scene where he's navigating his way through a, a, a night market, a, a sort of cavalcade of different biological life dealers of different kinds. And it's one of the most endearing parts of the entire film. It, it, it's a, it gives you a, a, an intimate look at how odd and different this life is. To say that the, the pace is too slow to keep you engaged 
is a ridiculous contention to me. It's paced in the manner that a detective story needs to be. Rushing the character from one scene to another to another isn't going to help the story. I think what you're advocating there is something like one of Liam Neeson's action outings, where Taken, where, where, where they keep it moving by just having him move from one scene where he kills somebody to another scene where he kills somebody to a third scene where he kills somebody at, without there being much in the way of actual discovery or character development in between. And that that's fine if that's the movie you prefer to watch, but preferring that way of storytelling is not a metric for a movie being boring. I would argue if, if you're saying, so again, I think we should just leave any external appeals to the Oscars, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Letterboxd, yeah. let's just set all of those aside. At this point, aside. I think points have been made about critics, other filmmakers, other people's opinions about the movie. I think we should set that aside for the remainder of the discussion. Go ahead. Even, even though you're disingenuously employing that uh, against me on, on both sides of the coin. But again, every scene... <laughs> Every scene in Deckard's apartment, I would literally rather be anywhere else in the fucking world. Why create this amazing futuristic view of Los Angeles when we spend, and you said the scene where he's enhancing the photo is 90 seconds. That's correct, but it's part of a five minute scene within his apartment where there's really nothing spectacular about his apartment. We see him pouring a drink. We see him looking at some pictures. We see him looking out a window. They're staring out of his balcony. It's, it's so boring every time we're in his apartment. And you talk about character development. I don't know why Deckard has any character development in this movie. Is it because he like sexually assaults a robot at some point? Like the, 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 the um, love story <laughs> is so contrived and so bad within this movie. I don't understand why Deckard has this revelation other than he just gets horny for, for a robot. Like what, what is this character development you're talking about, Steve? Well, I find it strange that you would take the scene inside the scenes inside the apartment and claim that you'd rather be anywhere else and that they're too boring. When moments ago you were saying that you're also sick of the exterior scenes and you feel you were subjected too many times to exterior shots of the Terrell building or to the cityscape. Uh, I would also argue that you are intentionally removing that scene from the context of the film and intentionally, rather disingenuously yourself, wiping it of the story meaning it has in order to make it out as being some needless act of boredom. There are a number of things being underlined in that scene. For instance, Deckard had a revelation a few scenes before about Leon, one of the replicants, keeping photos, and he wonders to himself why a replicant would want to keep photos. But one of the underlying themes of the film is that these replicants, these artificial beings, are developing a sense of humanity. And here we are in Deckard's apartment at his piano while he debates over what's going on, and we see a collection of photographs littering his piano, photographs that give him a connection to a history, photographs that give him a connection to a family, that give him a connection to a real life, to underline the fact that what the replicants are looking for is something that human beings take for granted. And that's part of where that character development is taking place. Because Deckard is very obviously someone who was employed previously simply to get rid of what he viewed as being malfunctioning machines. It underlines the discussion he has with Rachel when he goes to give her the Voight comp test where he tells her that it's only his business or his concern when the machines are malfunctioning. He, he's starting at the point we see him at the piano 
to come to see these beings is something more than just machines, something more than just organic androids. He's identifying with their humanity. And it's in that that he comes to the next revelation about what they're after as a group. Likewise, there's a tremendous amount of character development from the Rachel character, who up until the point she met Deckard had no idea that she was artificial. She's now facing an outlook on the world that went from being, I'm a real human being, to I'm a copy of someone else who's been implanted with their memories, and none of that ever happened to me. There's the development ongoing with the replicants themselves, who were programmed just to exist and do a job, and who now find themselves desperate against all logic, against the human assumption that that desperation is even possible for them. They become desperate to try to find any way to extend their own lives, even knowing that they may get themselves killed in doing it. There's, there's so much happening here under the skin with these people to call it boring because they don't just shove the answers in your face and rush you to a quick conclusion is, in my mind, a misdefinition of boring. Again, I, I'm not talking about the, the, the underlying themes, which I did concede are important. I love the way that the film strips away, you know, sort of the arguments about what would make someone not human, even with the um, J.F. Sebastian character, how he's like quickly aging, how, the, how that doesn't, that's there intentionally right, to show that he's, that's not a component of humanity aging quickly. And, and, and we look at the memories, you know, that's not a component of a man, humanity necessarily. These people have memories. So, so what does that mean? But when you talk about disingenuously leaving out parts of the scene in the apartment, which is more in the presentation than in the themes themselves, we linger for several extended 10, 20, 25, 30 second shots of these things. Uh, the enhancing, you may say it's only nine seconds, but I, he enhances it five or six times, calling out specific coordinates, which just looks absurd, by the way, not to say that makes it boring or not boring, but it does look absurd. You leave out the unicorns, which is one of the most boring things I've ever seen. Watching thing like B-roll footage from Legend, a far inferior movie to Blade Runner, is really boring. And, and the fact that, that we have to parse out what are in the different cuts of this movie to understand what those themes are is boring. It's an entirely different movie when Ridley Scott overtly tells you that, that Deckard's a replicant. And it's a much weaker movie when Ridley Scott comes out and overtly tells you that, that Deckard's a replicant. You cannot possibly defend the unicorn shit to me. There's no fucking way you can say that's not boring. I, well, I, first of all, I absolutely can. I, I to, to get inside a character's head in that way is not necessarily boring. Uh, perhaps it was not the most engaging way to achieve that effect. There we go. But, but, but you know, being being less than the most effective way to do something is a pretty broad and generic way to paint what you're describing as boredom. The scenes in the apartment are all about establishing not just the character development we've already discussed but about establishing the tempo and the feel of the world and the tempo Deckard's is process. slow the tempo it, is it's glacial that's the yeah. problem the, the the tempo is slow but it's also gracefully slow i would argue the tempo is meant to be slow this film never promises you a quick snap to the next action scene it's never what it was marketed as. It's never what it claimed to be. It was never meant to be the kind of thing like a Taken-style detective action movie that just wants to move you along 
to the next big fight. And again, I'm not even necessarily saying that the other way, the taken way, is a bad way, but it certainly is not the same way. There's there's a matter of subjective preference in deciding that you individually like one more than the other, but then what are you left with? An individual person's subjective opinion that one approach is boring? Uh, an opinion that isn't agreed upon, hence the purpose of this debate. Uh, it, it, to say that these things make the movie boring, to me, is, is just a denial that there's anything, anything worthwhile in those scenes, which is, in my opinion, absolutely untrue. Absolutely untrue. I've, ne- I've literally never, again, going back to my opening statement, I've never posited, nor am I here to, to attack Blade Runner's value as a the- as a film and conveying those themes. That's not what I was what addressing I'm, just but now. But what I'm saying, the, the presentation is boring. And, and I think, I, I mean, I have, you know, dozens of hours of me shitting on movies like Fast and the Furious, shitting on Liam Neeson movies. I, I've never advocated once that Blade Runner should present itself like this. I do personally find noir films to be a little bit boring. I feel like there's, their pacing can be a little bit boring. Now, do I like some more than others? Yeah, but even something like Vertigo, to go back to sort of the, the, the lauded, you know, uh, uh, perennial on the sight and sound top 250, I think it's number one this time. It's always one, two, going back and forth. I think Vertigo is a little bit boring. That's a Hitchcock movie because we spend a lot of time exploring San Francisco, driving around. Much in the same way, we spend a lot of time exploring Deckard's apartment, watching him drive around from from point A to point B. It sounds an awful lot like an admission to me that it's not the movie you have a problem with, it's the genre. You just find the genre unacceptably slow. That doesn't that doesn't negate my argument in it any does, way. Though. It does though. To it go literally into doesn't. Some, you can't sit down and objectively watch anything if your premise going in is I, I find every film from the genre to be too slowly paced. I've literally never like. Okay, that's the other thing too. To get back, if we really want to pull that in again, it's like everyone goes into Blade Runner being told it's a classic. Everyone goes into Blade Runner saying this is one of the most influential movies of all time. It's one of those films that you watch it and you don't realize how many components of Blade Runner you've seen reflected in other pieces of media it's so elemental in a filmmaking sense in that way but that that doesn't make it exciting though and and just because i don't like like necessarily a genre of film i'm I'm allowed to say a a part of underneath that umbrella yeah blade runner's underneath this noir umbrella that i generally find to be a bit slow and boring all right well i in in that case i don't understand what else you're even debating over pappy because you've just admitted that your issue is with the function of the genre and never ever is there going to be anything then that properly fits that genre that i like you brick. don't find I, I, brick's brick not boring is, brick is a neo noir it's definitely not not really within the blade same runner's sphere. not a neo noir absolutely not what's a neo noir i not this is not a debate thing I I don't know. Is it a specific definition that you're using, or there? I, I well, I don't know that I'd use the the call the academic uh, definition in this instance. But neo noirs tend to be films made in much more modern day. They're way past the sphere. It's of like what 2019 we modern day. <laughs> well, mean? yeah. I mean anything anything past 2000 certainly would be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. you mean like the date that it was actually created? Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just outside the the sphere of what was considered the sort of but noir era. It's just, but it's just an absurd attack to say that if I find noirs to be a little bit boring, 
that that somehow negates the fact that we came here to debate the fact that Blade Runner is boring. And you're well, right. How, it is a subjective opinion. That's why we're here having an argument about it. That's why we're creating you, content about it. How can you fairly judge whether one individual movie is really a, a boring if you have a problem? I won't even use the word problem. I'm going to rephrase. If if your contention is that virtually every film or the vast I've majority never of said films that. If, if, let me finish before you argue with me. If your contention is a large percentage, even potentially majority, of films that fall into a certain genre tend to be boring because they fit the framework of the genre itself and that's what you find boring, then you're never going to give a fair viewing to anything that touches on that genre because you're always going to go in with that mental state that this format itself is boring. And, and, and I, I, at that point, I'm not sure what's left to debate with you, Pappy, because it's not even about Blade Runner at that point. It's about every film that fits that framework. I like Billy Wilder. I like Sunset Boulevard. I think Double Indemnity is a little boring, but I like it still. I mean, like... Those are specific but, examples of noirs parts, that I like. Okay, but, see, but you're doing the same thing. You've already admitted there are parts about Blade Runner you like too, but you still find it boring. And that's that's the linchpin here. No, <clears> no, <throat> no. The linchpin is our conflicting definitions of boring. Like Again, to me, boring is a separate stat line. We're looking at the the... the the character's power rankings, right? The movie's power rankings, right? You might have character, and that might be a strength. Or it might be story. That might be a strength. I, to me, it's keeping an audience's attention versus trying their patience is the line of demarcation of is this boring or is this not? I, I We all inherently know that there are certain people you would show 2001 A Space Odyssey to and certain people that you wouldn't because it's impenetrable and slow and it's, do they have that patience. Being boring doesn't even mean it's bad. Right, so I, then, I, I've never made the contention that boring equals bad. I've, I've spent this whole debate going over again. Boring does not equal bad. And, and, boring and is I, a set I, of characteristics and how the presentation and how the movie is received by the viewer and if it's if it's challenging for them to, to stay engaged or not. Well, I, okay, building on the back of your 2001 comment, you've conceded your own point. It's a movie that some people find boring, but that doesn't make a broad and substantial case for just putting a boring label on that film. It only establishes that there are some people who simply aren't going to like it, who aren't going to be able to appreciate it for its pace. And the same thing can be said of any movie, especially once you get over the 90-minute mark. There are people out there who would contend that, that a great many longer movies are boring, no matter how many... Uh, people have, have other opinions. There are people who think the Godfather films are boring. There are people who think the Lord of the Rings films are boring. But at the end of the day, even if we exempt what you've been characterizing as, as, as an appeal to the experts, even if this is only about a discussion, only a discussion about what normal people think, you cannot make the case that any film or most films, especially this film, are really unilaterally considered boring. There are a few exceptions. I know there's a list of a few exceptions that most people would say, the majority of people would say, yeah, it's boring. But what, you, what, you, what you're doing now is, is essentially saying, because I've been able to isolate a group of people, even if it's tens of thousands of them, that feel that this film is boring in their personal opinion, that we can now 
in an academic sense, call this a boring film. And my argument has never been that there aren't people out there who have the opinion. My argument has always been that those people only have that opinion because there's something about the film that they just don't appreciate. And that's not an attack. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong, but it's, it, it, it becomes like arguing with someone over whether or not you like hamburgers or, or, or whether or not you like the taste of a certain fruit. You can't empirically prove to another person that something they don't, they don't want to eat is actually good. It doesn't work that way. It, 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 there's, there's, only, there's only consensus. When it comes to an opinion on films, there's only consensus or individual opinion. And the consensus here doesn't back up that the film is boring. There only it is. isolated, only isolated. Well, no, it's not the, no, I'm, I'm talking about audience consensus. I, I, again, there's no audience consensus by and large. You cannot substantiate that more than 50% of normal people found this movie boring. You can't, there's no metric for it. You can't substantiate that more than 50% of any normal group of people found this movie boring, in which case what you're left with is just individual people's individual opinions, some of which, and this is not meant to be an insult, but some of which, like your own, are informed partly just because you don't like that genre in general to begin with. And picking out a few little examples where you were okay with a noir film doesn't negate that you clearly just don't like the genre and, and there's no way to make something not boring to a person who isn't, isn't into the idea of that framework of filmmaking to begin with. It's not possible. I've, Pappy, I've, you can respond uh, in just a moment. Afterwards, I want to quickly shift gears and just pose a question to Steve. You can go first, I, I guess. Okay. Blade Runner famously has multiple cuts. And I want to know if you, Steve, are arguing for a specific cut of the movie. But, Pappy, you can respond to Steve now before he does that. So, uh, again, I'd like to point out to the audience that now Steve has reverted to calling into question why we're even having this debate. It doesn't seem like a person who's confident in their opinion that this movie isn't boring. He's saying, why are we even having this? You can't objectively prove this is boring, even though he constantly appeals to authority, constantly cannot help but bring up the critical consensus around this movie as an only defense. I've started laying out specific points that the movie revels in its production design, that it's slowly like the, the, the shots themselves within the shots, there'll be very little movement and it's, it's enjoying almost smug in its fact of what it's been able to create. And the music itself doesn't lend to that. It's a sleepy LA there's a sleepy, rainy, futuristic version of L.A. with this weird, soft sense music, very understated that, that lulls the listener or excuse me, the viewer into a sleepy, bored state. And that those are the specific components of this that most people would qualify as boring. And okay, maybe I shouldn't say most people, but I think a broad definition or the way you and I would use boring in any other circumstance outside of this debate would agree that those are usually characteristics of a boring movie, usually. But you're, you're picking on – I want to get to your question, Corey, but one last thought. I, and then, Pop, you can have if you want to. But what you're picking out, again, are, are tenants of the genre. The, the pacing is a tenant of the genre. But... The, 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 you, you, you can't separate them from another, one another. So, again, what you're doing here is really make, trying to make the case that noirs are mostly boring, according to Pathy. No, you're and that using... this fits that, and that this fits that mold. And, again, you keep accusing me of appealing just to the experts. But, again, 91% audience score. 
Again, even if we polled a thousand people, I guarantee you, you wouldn't get a perfect 50% or more saying, yeah, it's a boring film. The things you're describing as being boring, I don't find boring. I don't think the indulgence in the landscape is boring. I think it helps draw me even further into that environment. It makes me want to, the more of it I see, the more of it I want to see. The, the, the pacing doesn't bore me. It helps keep me on track with what the characters are going through. So again, there's no objective argument here. There's only the subjective opinion that those things make this film boring. And I, I disagree with you on premise. I disagree with you on premise. Those things don't make the film boring. The reason I jump to what's the purpose of the de this debate then, which was a legitimate question, is because it sounds to me like you're aware that you can't make an objective case for this film to be boring. All you can offer are examples of things you and some other people might have found boring. Uh, to me, that's not an argument. To me, that doesn't make that point of view any more valid than my point of view. All you've proven really, all we've proven really, is that there can be differing opinions on what makes a film boring. I, I guess I thought the purpose of a debate would be to hash out those sub two subjective differences and our different definitions of what is a boring movie. I, I guess I don't know why there would even be a debate if we weren't going to debate over subjective opinions. That's sort of the well, nature of a movie debate. I, my understanding, and I mean this sincerely, was that, and, I'm, and this is not picking at you or your side, I'm, I'm being honest. My understanding here was that you were going to try to substantiate that there really was a subjective way. Objective, to, to, you mean? Or, sorry, you're right. Objective way to, uh, to, to mark this film as being boring. I, I, it, Otherwise, but I, I, I more than you have said my subjective rationale behind it. You keep hiding behind you keep hiding behind the cloak of the genre. Like, oh, then you don't like any noir. Ergo, you can't actually have an opinion on Blade Runner because you don't well, like the genre. You keep hiding no, behind that. No, like, see, people, people don't like musicals. People don't like action me, movies. You keep accusing me of hiding behind things. Even you are. Though there's you no, literally there's are. No, no, because here's the thing. I brought up. I brought up what the experts thought as a way of establishing that people who know about film don't consider this boring. You accused me of appealing just to the experts. I mentioned the fact that 91% of the audience respondents on Rotten Tomatoes don't find this film boring, and those are normal people, not experts. We're going to have to keep Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd out of it. Which, fine, but you had no... He had no response to that other than to respond I, by saying, well, <laughs> there's bad reviews on Letterboxd. Which, fine. Which, fine, but it, it just... You you haven't you haven't been able to address that there's an actual widely accepted no. non-expert objective uh, objective outlook on this film as being boring. What you've argued is I find the the pacing to be slow. I find some of these scenes to be uninteresting, and there's nothing to argue over or debate over at that rate. There's nothing there except here's how I feel about chocolate ice cream. How does another person? argue that with you but uh, if you had good points as to why it's not boring why not address specifics of the film to well, defend I, yourself i, I say have. your argument the whole fucking time has been oh but these people think this or you just don't like noir films where well, i'm specifically well, honing in on scenes on characters on the love story between rachel and deckard and, I, and all of which are inept, inept and, I've and boring and i've 
I've addressed in return multiple times. No, to this you point haven't. You've hit behind. You, say, you would, say things like you that, don't like Noir. That's that's been your counter argument to me. No, no, it's been part of it. But I've also addressed multiple times that the things you're describing as boring are not things that I find boring. Okay. I, I order order. All right. So Steve, shift gear slightly. Is your argument for a specific version of this movie? I would argue that Ridley Scott's final cut of it is the best version of it, but I would also say that each of them is valid in its own right. Would you say any of the cuts of Blade Runner are boring? No, I think Ridley Scott's final cut is the most engaging version of it, but I would not argue that I would not say any of them are boring. Harrison Ford's voiceover in the theatrical cut was literally intentionally boring. He that, made it as monotone as possible. And to say that it's not boring, he literally has said he tried to do it as boring and as monotone, as uninterested as possible, and it made it into that cut of the film. There are also quotes of him saying that that's not true and that while he didn't really like that's, the way it was scripted, no he, that he made that. an effort. Well, I, Have you I heard find it? it I, I find, I, of course, I, but I've, I've heard him. Do you think he was trying to do a good job on that voiceover? I, well, I, I think it's interesting that you'd say that so you don't no. think he was so a good no, actor. You, you don't think I, that. No, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's do great. Do you think he was trying to do? Okay. There, <laughs> I, well, I don't, I, I think it's really interesting that this, you, you would automatically take the position that he was definitely being honest the first time around. I don't see why decades after the film was made when he has nothing to worry about in regards to the studio or the, the money people, why would he then why would he then reverse and say I, I that's not that's not true? Because he's an I, asshole. <laughs> he's I, not. I, it, it, it's, it's, no, I I mean I, I think it's real strange to take the position that's definitely the case. Look, the voiceover is the weakest part of the theatrical Just listen version, to it. It's horrible, that. and it is literally <laughs> boring, and it undercuts the whole story much in the same way having Deckard's eyes, and I, I, I haven't seen the director's cut. I've seen, uh, and maybe there's something in the director's cut that I'm missing, but do, do, do his eyes glow when Rachel's in his apartment in the director's cut, or no? In the 93 director's cut, you know, I haven't watched that yeah. version in long enough that I'm not sure. And that's, yeah, but like to... To take away any of the mystery on if Deckard is a replicant or not and overtly say it ruins a lot of the mystique and the mystery around the movie, which would be inherently more interesting, which is basically the opposite of boring. The antithesis well, of boring is interesting. That would have been an I, interesting question to like walk away with and keep wondering. It's over. It's He overtly I, I, says it multiple times in that I movie. Will, I, will, I will partly agree with you, and so would Ridley Scott. The voiceover is not something that any of them really wanted, regardless of whether or not Harrison Ford intentionally bombed it, that being a separate question in my mind. It wasn't something any of them wanted. It was something they stuck in the film because the studio executives thought that it would make the film more digestible to audiences. And to your point, I will agree, the movie is better without it. Even if I don't hate the voiceover, the movie is better without it. And it, you don't need those points to be made on the nose. But I, I think... You know, there are a number of instances where multiple versions of a film that everyone liked to begin with have been released to market, and it doesn't necessarily indicate there was something broken about the original product. James Cameron has done this with most of his best-reviewed movies. T2, The Abyss, and Aliens all got director's cut. Um, hell, I, I think, if anything, uh, you often do the opposite. You make a film worse when you tinker with it, not better, hence 
Lucas touching on the original OT films. He was the only person, I think, in the world that thought that the OT Star Wars films needed to be any different. He thought they were broken when almost nobody else did. So, uh, you know, it, it, but it, it's to say that the fact that there's more than one version of the film indicates that the original no. version was necessarily broken somehow. I've never it, made that point. Well, all right. Well, that, then, that, uh, to answer Corey's question, I, 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 the fact that there's more than one version of the film does not, to me, indicate that the movie was broken. It doesn't indicate that there was anything they thought they really needed substantial, they really needed to fix. It was about – I mean, you compare the, the, the theatrical cut to Ridley Scott's final cut. There's not that whole much really that's different about them. The, the, the final cut's missing the voiceover. It's got something like – a minute and a half or two minutes worth of extra footage. They fixed a couple of dialogue errors. It's got the unicorns. Yeah, they, he did put the unicorn back in, um, which was not in the theatrical cut. But uh, uh, no, I, I, I think if anything, I think if anything, the fact that he was, the fact that he in the studio wanted to go back and do another version of that film so many years after it came out, even after all the controversy and all these kinds of debates, shows you how much interest there is in this movie and how many people want to see it for the first time and want to continue watching it. The studios have to spend huge amounts of money on these projects. It's not something they agree to if they think that the only audience for their product is going to be 30,000 people at a select few art house cinemas in, 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 around the country. There's, there's something that the average person does find endearing about this film does find involving and, and, and it's okay, obviously if there are detractors from that, but I think if anything, the fact that they would go back and revisit this film in this way, so many years later, the fact that it still gets shown to people in screenings multiple times a year in cities like Los Angeles just goes to show you that, 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 the average person may not find it to be their favorite movie, but they aren't finding it boring either. Uh, every person that buys a copy of this on home video isn't buying it for their first viewing. Every person who buys a ticket to see a screening of this in a theater isn't going for their first screening. A huge percentage of the people are people like me that have seen the movie countless times and are going back to it again. That that to me is not the the mark of a film that that you could say is 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 boring. So you you just, I, I like the audience like actually like literally go back and rewind about five minutes and just the the way you totally straw manned exactly what I was saying. First of all, I've never made a claim that doing different versions of a film implies that wasn't addressing that they, you. It was addressing a general question that was not aimed I, at you. I specifically said. The to take away the mystery around Deckard being a replicant or not being a replicant diminishes the interest of the film, diminishes the questions that we're left with, hand spoon feeds it to the audience, and, and totally destroys that part. Second of all, the only thing I would say about the multiple cuts of the film is that we, we've clearly entered a very 
niche, very film nerd corner of the internet, right? That, that we're in now. The majority of people, if you want to say that the average person, the average person is completely bored by the by the discussion of parsing. This is the European cut, and this is the thir- theater cut, and this is the final cut. This is the director's cut. That whole conversation of parsing, do the eyes glow? Are the unicorns included? Included? Like what's different between these is boring for the average person. It's not that the existence of a renovated or upgraded or a different cut means that there was something diminished or or flawed about the original it's that no one gives a fuck it's it's just do it right the first time what movie am, like what version of this shit am i supposed you say to watch do it right the first time how can you say do it right the first time if you're not making the case that something was broken the first time I, I, I that's what I'm saying that the average person would think just hand me the blu-ray of what I'm supposed to watch like which I don't is, which is why the only blu-ray currently available is a single disc of just the final cut they only made a small batch of, of uh, uh, five disc versions with every cut available for people like me and then they discontinued it because they knew you were right I'll concede that point the average person isn't interested in parsing it out the average person if they're going to buy it or rent it at all is just going to buy or rent the one version which is why that's the only version they're currently trying to sell to anybody can i shift topics a little bit uh, and ask a specific question uh, around yeah, the podcast i think that, we'll be ready for yeah. closing statements soon but uh, yeah. i'll let you go ahead i, I just want to go back to i know we talked a little bit about michael bay movies is it just are you, is it the genre argument again in how the Matrix can present something that deals with these? I, I don't know if I, I never know the right usage of the word high concept. I, I really, but like, like high concept, I guess, sci-fi questions while being more action oriented and Blade Runner is generally received as more boring. I guess, would you say, sorry, let me rephrase that. Is the Matrix more or less boring than Blade Runner or are they just apples and oranges? I think we could, we could, the both of us could turn that into a much bigger discussion. I think, see, for me, less boring is the wrong way to, to describe it. But that's it. what we're here to talk about. No, well, okay, but, but the Matrix, hold on, just give me a second here. The, the Matrix is more action oriented than Blade Runner. No doubt, no argument. Because of that, I think that some audience members will find it more engaging because some audience members are looking for something more action oriented. I would not, phrase it as one film being more boring than the other. I would phrase it as one film being framed like a noir where the other is framed like a sci-fi action film. So it is kind of apples and oranges in, in, in the sense that there's, it's like looking at a Venn diagram somewhere in the middle where we're just talking about things that fit into the science fiction genre. There's overlap between the two of them, but to the left and right of that center section, they're really not quite the same thing. It's not a matter in my mind of one being more boring than the other. It's just a matter of the two being a different type of film. I, I, I'd also say that The Matrix is a fairly unique example in that it can combine that level of action with a storyline that actually gets you thinking a little bit. But I would also add, and I, he, he's not obligated, he probably shouldn't chime in, but our host was present at the screening I'm talking about, I know that he witnessed it, so was another friend of ours. We went to an anniversary screening of The Matrix locally a year or so ago, year and a half ago, whatever that was. We went to a theater, we got tickets in advance, we were all hyped, brand new restoration, and a huge percentage of the people sitting in that theater were probably 12 to 15 years younger than us, 
kids roughly between 16 and 20 approximately. And I can't even remember which scene it was, but one of the, one of the big scenes, one of the big fundamental scenes with Morpheus. And he has one of these great monologues and one of these big lines. It was the kind of moment that back in 99, everyone was like, wow, that helped make the movies great. This group of kids broke out laughing. They laughed at it for probably a solid 30 or 40 seconds. And it wasn't the only moment in the film they laughed at. So it just shows you, you know, <laughs> we can pick out the Matrix as something that we would agree upon being a good example of an engaging sci-fi film. But to your point about showing 2001 or Close Encounters to the right audience, you show that same film to a slightly different, slightly younger audience. Their takeaway from that film was it's goofy as fuck. It was literally laughable to the point that we laughed out loud in a theater. So, I mean, if if the Matrix is the benchmark we're using, then then I think you've got problems there too because clearly there are some people that find that movie so ridiculous it's laughable. I mean, I, I don't know how many times you're going to keep taking it back to what other people think. The debate is between you and I, our definitions of boring and, and what is a, what is and what is not a boring movie. I mean, you can see that the, the Matrix is more engaging. That's why, again, going back to my opening statement, I offered the most populous, the most commonly used, the most real definition of boring I probably could that a film tries the patience of its audience that is what boring really means if you boil down to it. I mean if you don't if you don't disagree with that definition then then by de definition well, the matrix is more engaging engaging is literally the opposite of boring like well I th first of all what I said was the matrix is engaging in a way that the Blade Runner isn't I will admit that but again that's not a, a negative judgment against either one of them it's just the difference in filmmaking. Uh, secondly, I, I, I've, I've been trying to address the singular portion of this, uh, but the issue here is it becomes you saying, I found these things boring, I found the pacing slow, and me saying, I didn't find those things boring, I didn't find the pacing slow, I didn't think that the scenes in the apartment were too much, I didn't think that we saw too much of the Terrell building, I don't think that we spent too much time floating around that world. I don't find the score to be sleepy and boring. I think that it lends itself to the sort of nostalgic 40s era noir style that that movie was in part trying to recapture. I, I, I think that what you're labeling as boredom is just, in my opinion, a successful attempt to bring you in to the, the, the general feeling of, of that world. And yeah, it's a dreary, dirty ugly world some of them are so is the world of mad max fury road like it doesn't have to be pretty that's not a knock at mad max i think it's a great movie um i also think it's a movie that has the benefit of mostly taking place in a desert which makes dealing with the locale a lot less difficult um it it it, it, it if it's a matter of you saying you found the pacing too slow i've addressed i don't think it's too slow if it's a matter of you saying you, you find the scenes in Deckard's apartment boring. I've responded to say, I don't think they're boring. I think they help us get inside the head of that character. If it's a matter of saying, I find the world too dreary to be engaging, I've already said, I find that world to be extremely engaging for all the, the, the detail and the sort of dirty beautiness, beautiful or beauty that I find, find in it. So where do we go from there? There's a YouTube video 
called Blade Runner and Rain for Eight Hours for Sleep. And it's a, a YouTube video specifically designed to help people fall asleep using the music from Blade Runner and a rain sound effect. I mean, that's pretty much evidence that it's boring, right? That the music is boring. I mean, this is a, an external source that was compiled to create to help people sleep. Uh, wait, I thought we were only allowed to talk about our own individual opinions. Well, if you're going to bring it, also to, to backtrack a little bit too, to bring up Mad Max Fury Road, that there's such a different color palette in general. And if you want to go from a brain chemistry perspective, your brain interacts with vibrant colors in a much different way than it interacts with the color palette of Blade Runner. The, vi- the color palette of Mad Max is stimulating. Bright yellows, reds, the, the, the sand, the white sand, uh, the tornado sequence, all of that literally hits your brain in a different way than the blues and the greens and there the grays There is such a ridiculous Runner. amount of color stimulation in Blade Runner that people on set when they were making it actually complained about how much of it they were being forced to put together. That that the, the city itself may be gray and dark and dreary, but every storefront is filled with some kind of neon. I the, do the, like that. The, and, and all of those signs, and, and I appreciate you appreciate that, but I, like every storefront is filled with signs or TV sets that work. Every canopy has a neon light lighting it. Jordan, Jordan Cronenworth um, made a point of using, I believe, xenon lamps to light some of the scenes in this room to give it a different kind of texture and color palette. That was almost unheard of in cinematic lighting when he did that. And that's not me trying to appeal to any kind of academic thing. I'm just mentioning there was a lot of effort made to make that world engaging and to have colorful elements stand out against the dreariness. The first scene we're greeted to in the movie featuring Deckard is him sitting under a fantastic neon blinking dragon waiting to get noodles from a bright, brightly lit uh, a Japanese restaurant. When 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 he flies through the the, well, the okay. sky, well, okay, sorry for, for that for that scene. Like how how drawn out is it? He has to say not two, not four noodles. Two plus two equals four. It's like again, it revels in every chance to be as slow as possible. He can't just order his noodles. That's be some sort of miscommunication, which doesn't serve any kind of larger thematic purpose. Like what what I, would be the purpose of showing that he can't communicate with 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 the vendor? Well, I, I, I don't think that was the purpose. I think, I think part of the underlying purpose was to show there's a lot of people here speaking different languages, which sort of underlines what happens when Gaff approaches him and is speaking a non-English language. Uh, I, I think. So we already had part, a part that covered that. We already addressed that literally no, within the scene. It doesn't need to drawn out the dialogue of him ordering noodles to the nth I, degree. I, I, your definition of what qualifies as drawn out is just so extreme to me. And we're talking about a scene that goes on for something like two but minutes. But it's a microcosm for I, the whole movie. All I can I, do I, is talk about the specifics of the scene that we're in, and that's a specific I, example I just pull out of my ass of like why no, it's... I, I understand, but I think you're applying that same extreme brush to the entire film because your you're, moments that I find to be perfectly paced, moments that I find help draw me that much more into the universe itself, what you described as reveling uh, was complete and total enjoyment for me. This did nothing for me except endear me that much more. Some of my favorite shots in the film are just the tracking shots of them moving to different places or showing you the landscape of the world they live in. I find that to be enriching in a world-building sense, and that's that's not boring for me. There's so little variety to the world. We do have some great, some great use of yellow, and I love... 
I, I, a lot of his apartment is yellow. And I know I criticized that scene earlier, but any, like when yellow is present on the screen, it brings a totally different energy. It's usually associated with these upper class, you know, association with gold, maybe type things that the president of the Tyrell Corporation. But we don't have to even speculate on this. We have an actual case study of someone who loves Blade Runner arguably even more than you, Denny Villeneuve. And he made another movie within the Blade Runner universe. And what did he do? He made sure he got the fuck out of L.A. for a little bit. There's, there's a whole sequence in the desert outside of L.A. which brings us such a breath of fresh air in a different color palette. When you're smothered in this green, when you're smothered in this gray, the, the, the brief respite of neon lights doesn't do it. Seeing the, the overhead blimp isn't quite enough. And, and, and uh, when a filmmaker said, okay, I'm going to take my shot at this, he had the good sense to get us out of that scenery, if not for a little bit, to give the audience some variety, a break from the monotony, a much needed break from the monotony. Okay, I'm going to chime in here, and I'm going to move us over to closing statements, wherein, Steve, you can respond to Pappy as well in your closing statement and expand on that. Do you guys care who goes first and who goes last? No, I I genuinely don't. Let's have Steve respond to that, and Steve, do your closing statement as well, then Pappy, you can have the final word. I I don't disagree with you in the sense that the exit from LA in... Blade Runner 2049 is is a respite from the darkness and dreariness of the city. And I like 2049. I think that that portion of the film does play to it. That being said, the original film is a story about dreary people living in a dreary world, in some cases doing a dreary job. It It isn't meant to be pleasant. It isn't meant to be fun. These people live within the confines of this dark, dirty, rainy, oppressive environment. And yeah, it's ugly. And yeah, it's it's unpleasant. In my mind, the fact that they made it so much so and did it with so much detail is not a negative point you cannot really fully appreciate what the characters are going through without appreciating that environment and the film doesn't ask you to like it in fact very much the opposite they clearly made an effort to try to keep you from liking the way it comes off being. No one would really want to live in that world. And yet, for me, to my mind, for my money, so to speak, it is so full of detail and these beautiful accents of light and color and reflection. It is so full of life. It is so full of humanity that although it's a world I wouldn't want to live in, It doesn't make me want to disengage from the film or from the environment itself. It makes me that much more able to appreciate the sort of grayness, mistiness of what's going on for these characters in this environment. And I think it's okay to dislike that environment, but I I don't think 
that disliking an environment that was designed not to be likable makes the environment itself or its design a failing. I don't think it keeps the environment from being engaging in a visual sense. And, and I, I don't think it pushes people away from the narrative. In fact, if anything, I think feeling that way is an indication of what an incredible visual job they did allowing people, helping people get into the headspace of that environment. And it plays into the ending of the film. That's part of why it's such a huge relief for Deckard and Rachel's characters to just get away from it. Clearly, it's not the only reason. There are under, other underlying themes there. But the film caps itself with a scant few shots of forest and greenery, which is what Deckard escaped to. It's the only reason there was an escape place to visit him in in the sequel. So I, for me, it's a working element. It, it's, it's, it's a good thing, and it, and it works, not something that's a detraction from the film. Do you have anything additional in your closing statement? Yeah, this will be your last words on the topic. Keeping in mind the premise, is Blade Runner boring, yes or no? Uh, all right, I'll just blast a closing statement then since I'm talking anyway. Pappy's a very intelligent guy, and he does a very good job, at least by and large, of encapsulating the point he wants to make verbally. I understand why... Some people might find this film a little slow for their liking. I understand why people might dislike the environment the film takes place in. But to say that the pacing is so slow that it forces the viewer into boredom, to say that the film is so devoid of any point of engagement that it fails to keep, keep you interested enough not to feel bored, I, I find these contentions to be false. I find personally that Ridley Scott and the people working with him did an incredible job of blending a 40s era noir sentiment and a sense of nostalgia into something that also attempts to look into the future. That the package we get at the end is too beautiful and too engaging on a human level to really qualify under any circumstances as being boring. I find that you are asked so many questions in this film along the way while you are being engrossed into this environment that if you find yourself being bored, it may simply because, be because you've got some fundamental issue with this type of filmmaking in general, which is always going to detract from the experience you have watching it. And while I can understand and empathize with some of the things Pappy is saying, I do not believe that one can really truly make the case that this film is boring simply because it lacks in the kind of pacing that you'd want from a Matrix film. And I think that's probably it for me. All right. Pappy, you up. You have the final word, closing statement, keeping in mind the premise. Yeah, I just once again want to say thank you to Corey for moderating this debate and Steve for agreeing to engage me um, on this topic. 
as I predicted from my opening statement, there's been a constant conflation in this discussion of bad equals boring or good equals not boring. I laid out my definition very clearly, a definition that was never refuted by my opponent, that a boring movie is a film that tries the patience of its audience from knowing what cut I need to watch to then the discourse around the difference between the different cuts from the taking away of the mystery of Descartes is a replica in, in a cut that we both probably watched in preparation of this to the stupid unicorns. The pacing, yes, is one component of it, but the uninviting world that is Blade Runner also does lend to its boringness, to the trying of its patience. It's so much easier to spend an hour in Oz than it is in Kansas. And this whole fucking movie is in Kansas. That it doesn't mean that the portions that are in Kansas are bad. It doesn't mean that they're inherently worse. But we all know on an intuitive level when you're describing a movie to someone and, and maybe not someone who would agree to do a, a Blade Runner debate but but the average moviegoer and the average way that the the phrase this is a boring movie is used within our culture we know that these are all components of that not vibrant not engaging slow story inaccessible characters monotone acting with with a strange accent that or a strange intonation that comes in at some point uh all of these things are subcomponents of what a boring film makes and i think if we go back and we and we look at this the course of this discussion i am not against noir films in general i i have my experiences i have found a lot of them to be boring much in that other people on this podcast may or, or people i podcast with may not like animated films but they're like you know what that's a good one the, the, i don't go into a film not wanting to like it i go into a film always wanting to like it and like i've said from the beginning I like Blade Runner, but if I was having any kind of discussion or any kind of of recommendation to a person who, who likes movies or, or generally likes movies, I would caveat it with, this film is going to try your patience, which is the definition of a boring movie. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I am really amazed by you two guys. I got to say that. Thank you so much, Steve and Pappy, for agreeing to join in on this debate two titans of debating here man you guys have really impressed master me. debaters you would say <laughs> we could say that yes oh is that what people have been calling me you weren't <laughs> supposed that's rule five steve rule five <laughs> the listeners i encourage you to write in in the youtube comment section and i want to know who you think won this debate based on the arguments made that's the important part who had the better argument with your preconceived notions aside, which I know it's hard to set aside. I'm having trouble with that myself. So I want to know the listeners who you think won. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If you listen to us somewhere else, please let us know. Before we wrap up, Pappy, where can people find more of you arguing about movies with your friends? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I do want to say that I love you, Steve, uh, very much. <laughs> uh, I love you too, Pappy. I, I hope to have you on uh, the other podcast, which I'm about to plug. Spoilers very, very soon. Just name a mo movie, Steve, you want to spoil. I want to make sure that happens. Um, <laughs> getting through some Patreon requests now. Um, there's a way that there's methods that you can request a movie. We kind of 
bullshit around, each taking turns picking a movie. We review new movies. Corey's on there a lot. Like I said, hopefully Steve will be on there again soon. Um, but yeah, spoilers with an explanation point. Uh, orange cereal bowl logo if you search for it. Yes, hopefully you guys can review a movie together that you agree on. I'm sure Pappy and I actually have a lot of overlap. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I like sincerely. To think so. yeah. We both I hated Crystal Skull pretty thoroughly right? on this feed. I, so. Yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah that, it's a good example. I, <laughs> I, I mean that. I mean that with absolute sincerity. I have a feeling we'd agree on a lot more than we wouldn't agree on. I gotta have you guys both on a cop in the half podcast. <laughs> See, that's one of those ones I don't want to watch. <laughs> But uh, I, I kind of wish we had another half hour for the debate, but it's okay. <laughs> I think a lot has been said, and uh, you know, I think the listeners can uh, decide for themselves. If you want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Again, subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up there. Leave us a comment. And I think that's about it. Thank you for listening to this debate. Hopefully we can do more specifically with these two gentlemen. That would be amazing. We love you and good night. Sit down. Care if I talk? Kind of nervous when I take tests. Uh, just please don't move. Sorry. I already had an IQ test this year. I don't think I've ever had one of these. Reaction time is a factor in this, so please pay attention. Now answer as quickly as you can. Sure. 1187 at Unterwasser. It's the hotel. What? Where I live. Nice place? Yeah, sure, I guess. Is that part of the test? No, just warming you up, that's all. Hmm. It's not fancy or anything. You're in a desert, walking along the sand, when all of a sudden- Is this the test now? Yes. You're in the desert, walking along the sand, when all of a sudden you look down- What one? What? What desert? It doesn't make any difference what desert. It's completely hypothetical. How come I'd be there? Maybe you're fed up. Maybe you want to be by yourself. Who knows? You look down and you see a tortoise, Leon. It's crawling toward tortoise? you. Tortoise? What's that? Know what a turtle is? Of course. Same thing. Never seen a turtle. But I understand what you mean. You reach down. You flip the tortoise over on its back, Leon. Do you make these questions up, Mr. Holden, or do they write them down for you? 
The tortoise lays on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't. Not without your help, but you're not helping. What do you mean I'm not helping? I mean you're not helping. Why is that, Leon? They're just questions, Leon. In answer to your query, they're written down for me. It's a test designed to provoke an emotional response. Shall we continue? Describe in single words only the good things that come into your mind about your mother. My mother? Yeah. Let me tell you about my mother. <laughs>